Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues live on Locker Room. My name is Steve Lipman. I'm joined as always by Emily Cannell and Dan Volpone. Uh, we have something special to celebrate. Dan graduated the other day. Dan, uh, tell us how does it feel doing a podcast now as a graduate? Yeah, I'm so excited to get a boost in my pay now that I have the college degree. So You got the bump. Yes, you exactly. got the pay bump with graduating. That's um right. well that's great. Graduation was good. It was all good. It was good. You know, it's just like it's so long. You just have sitting there the whole time like is this almost over? But it was nice. <laughs> the parents enjoyed it, which is the most important. Did you have anybody special give a speech? There were a couple speeches um and then there were like some like cameos from famous people at the end. Oh, like who? Uh there was Oh, God, I don't know. I was really tired. Um, okay. Mark fair. Cuban was the last one. Aaron Donald mm. said, like, one thing. Um, <laughs> just a lot of people with, like, who either went to Pitt or, like, Mark Cuban's from Pittsburgh. Just, like, people with ties there. Got it. Um, Emily, at any of your graduations, did somebody special give a cool speech? Um, Our, like, keynote speaker or whatever for graduation was Soledad O'Brien so I don't know that that's considered cool um hmm. that's who gave the speech at my graduation other ones at Delaware had cooler ones I'm pretty sure Joe Biden has given a speech to is the president right. now which is kind of cool um one time Kanye West came to Delaware's graduation because his like what? cousin graduated from there so he was just like wow. a guest in the crowd um but yeah those are like the the delaware people i guess you know joe biden and kanye west (laughs) (laughs) that's right um you mentioned soledad o'brien who is that i think she's on like cnn or something she's like a news anchor of sorts she's like a news person i don't like her so oh dan's out she was i just looked her up and i don't know who this is um, but good luck to her. Um, my high school, I went to high school at least at the end with Samuel Dallenberg's sister. That's nice. Wild. And uh, and uh, one night we went to some rich kid's house who has a private court, and, and Samuel Dallenberg was there drinking a full bottle of wine 
and playing basketball with us, and that was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a it was a wild night. It was very cool, but very surreal to see him because he's much larger than you even think. Yeah. Big guy, that Sam D'Alembert. Back to the Sixers. They have won now, what do we say, six yep. in a row? Yep. Six in a row. They beat uh, Houston on Wednesday night. Uh, and then uh, prior to that, they beat uh, Chicago on Monday. They won both halves of the back-to-back. They were at San Antonio and at Chicago. Um, what do we think? So I wrote something recently about you know, the Sixers having to decide what they're going to do in terms of health and winning down the stretch here. You know, are they going to get guys some rest or are they going to play everybody and make sure you get the one seed? Uh, what it seems like they're doing, they, they have a very soft schedule. It seems like what they're doing is they're playing guys uh, enough so that they get big leads and can win the games and then resting them and keeping their minutes relatively low whenever they can. But it seems like they're going to play until the one seed is wrapped up. Uh, Dan, do you agree with this strategy? And uh, how do you feel about, you know, the way that this has been panning out? Oh, I definitely agree. And I think it's, you know, Joel, you know, there was the talk last night, put up those numbers first to do it in, you know, less than 25 minutes for the Sixers. And, you know, why, why not? Like, if you get a chance to rest them, of course, do it. But the Sixers are down to a spot where the one seed is more important than anything but health. And, their magic number's four. You know, they're two games up on Brooklyn. They have the tiebreaker. Both teams have six games left. Brooklyn has a tough schedule. Four might be two more Sixers games, for all we know, because Brooklyn still has to play Dallas, mm-hmm. still has to play the Nuggets, and so and Harden's out. And so I think you have to go until you lock up that one seed. And I, I, I like that we have this soft schedule, not just a soft schedule, but a soft schedule where the other team's starters aren't even playing, and they're not that good even when they play. Um so we've been able to get, you know, to coast a little bit, have Joel not play the fourth, have Ben and Tobias not play the fourth. And I think that's basically best case scenario. And if you were telling me to start the year that this is where we'd be for the one seed, I'd say do exactly this. And it's clearly working. They're not playing a ton, but they're winning the game. So it's perfect. Right. Uh, Emily, how do you feel about uh, the way that, like, Doc and the staff has been handling this final stretch? Yeah, I think they're doing it the right way. They, uh, We had talked about it on Sunday, I guess, and this is what we all said, that they should do. The one seed is really important. Um, and if we keep winning and Brooklyn loses a couple more games, you know, like Dan said, the magic number is four, so that could be less than four Sixers games. I also think it's important to, like, for someone like Joel, probably most out of all of those guys, to, like, keep playing. I kind of think, like, with someone that big, and this is just me, like, guessing, but would feel like not that long. But, like, just pay, play 20 minutes a game. Like, get a little run in and then go sit on the bench. I feel like that's, like, good for his conditioning. Yeah, so last night, uh, no Sixer played more than 26 minutes, minutes, which was Tobias. Joel played 25, uh, Ben 24, Green 24. Uh, just really nice you know, easy win that they should have won. You know, they played a, uh, a a Rockets team, which is already horrible, that only played seven guys. So, uh, of course, you know, they only won by 20, and for a little bit it was closer than we'd all like, which is pretty typical. Um, you know, it seems like Ben Simmons did a really nice job on Kevin Porter Jr., who's had some good games lately. 
Um, and uh, all the end of the bench guys got in uh, towards the end of this one. Uh, the Sixers social has been, or maybe not even social, but uh, like staffers or, or whoever has been putting out some nice Paul Reed after the game clips of Paul Reed working out alone with just rebounders on the court. Uh, what do we think, Dan? Did we uh, inspire him to do that since he came on the podcast? Well, I'll take credit for the rest of his career at this mm-hmm. point. Because anything that happens after didn't happen before. Now, that doesn't imply any kind of causation, but it doesn't mean there wasn't causation, you know? So, right. And if he, has a, if he has a bad game, that's because he hasn't come on again. You know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. He would have played better if he had come on more recently. We take no blame. Uh, yesterday, Matisse Thibel, uh had, of course, five points, which is right in the pocket. He had two rebounds. He had two assists. He had three steals and four blocks. He was a plus 24 in 20 minutes. And his uh, his plus minus was, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else, including all the starters. He's been – he really has found his lane here with the team. I remember – during the James Harden rumors at the beginning of the year, Matisse was not playing well and he was sort of out of the rotation. We were like pretty much dying to include Matisse for Harden with Simmons if that's what would get it done. Whereas now I I would be pretty precious about where I would trade him at all. Uh, he might be on an all NBA team. It could be a first team NBA te- first team all NBA defense team. I don't know. Uh, Emily, are you really impressed with Thibel lately? And, and did you see this coming at the beginning of the year? Well, I, for one, did not want to include Matisse in a James Harden trade. I just want to put that out there. I was only willing to give up, like, Danny <laughs> Green and Maxi for Harden. That was my – And Horford, trade. yeah. And right. yeah, and Horford and uh, uh, what Terrence Ferguson. I was always ready <laughs> to get him, him in the Harden trade. Um, but yeah, I'm super impressed with Matisse. I think I don't know if I saw. We've always known he was a good defender. Like that. That's nothing new. But I really think that he has taken a leap in the back half of this season that I didn't see coming. I keep like having Sixers conversations with like friends and family and every single conversation I bring up that stupid, it's not stupid, but the, the block to steal play. I'm like, did you see that? Like, that's the play that I want to talk about with people. That was an unbelievable play. It's just, I can't get over it. I watch it like almost every day. It's insane to me. And like for that to happen in him to have like that kind of vision and instincts in year two, to be potentially on a first team all defense team in year two, I think it's just really, really impressive. And I think he has, he is kind of like this niche and pocket in this team. Um, and I, I would love, I would love to keep him. But speaking of Matisse really quick, did you see uh, Tyrese Maxey's quote about him when he was, what like, was that? Him? No. I think it was about, it was Max. He was like talking about vets on the team. And he was like, yeah, like Matisse is a vet. He's like 30. <laughs> He's like 24. Yeah, this is like when Dan calls us. 24 old. is old, guys. Zip it. Zip it. He's like, yeah, what like What I would 30. give to be 24. Right? Right. Um, I love that. And uh, Dan, where are you at with, uh, with Matisse? I mean, I think that you had a similar experience to me at the beginning of the year with him. And uh, last year he was up and down. He had a lot of, you know, sort of highlight reel game breaking defensive plays and you saw his instincts, but he was not all that consistent and it was hard to rely on him in a big way, even defensively, because he would be found out of position at times. Um, 
how do you evaluate him now on the team? Do you think he'll make an all defense team? And uh, what do you think about his future on the team? Well, let me start off by saying I would still give basically everything for Harden. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't care how well anyone else has played. I think that Harden, you know, Harden basically went from, he probably still is one of the more hated players in the league after the start of this year. And just people hate how he plays and stuff. Um, and was still like, basically after missing all of, you know, not missing, but playing for Houston to start the year, dragging his way into the MVP conversation because he was that good. He was leading the league in assists, although Westbrook now passed him by like point two. Um, but he's just, you know, he's, he, to me, he's that good. But getting back to Matisse, um, I'm really glad we have him. I didn't see him being, you know, someone I wanted in the playoff rotation when the season started. And um, it's it's crazy because it was a short off season, but he is so much better than last year. Um, like last year, even like one-on-one defense, he really didn't stick well with a lot of quicker guards. Um, and he's been so good on guards this year. I think he's probably, like, he's been, probably the best defender of guards in the league. I think he, he probably guards, you know, short, smaller, quicker players better than Ben does. Um, he's so disruptive. You know, he's, he's become one of the best, you know, off-ball defenders. Um, and I've never seen anyone block shots, like block jump shots like that. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. Offensively, he looks a lot more confident. You know, he'll, he'll dribble the ball a bit. He'll drop, if he has a straight line to the rim, he'll, he'll drive it. Um, the shot is like, you know, it is what it is, but he's definitely a bit more confident in taking them. So, uh, that's good to see. He's, he's been, I think last year I would have characterized him as like a good and yes, inconsistent, definitely not great defender and just basically a disaster on offense, especially in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this year he's been an elite defender, you know, one of the best, if not the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. And, you know, not he's probably still below average on offense, but not not a disaster anymore. Right. You know, well, definitely still below average. I shouldn't say that. But not not some like awful like no he's one, got a liability. Yeah. No one needs to stand near him. I think he's gotten so much better <laughs> on both sides of the ball. And it's huge. The Sixers need him in the playoffs. Like he's going to have to play, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game. He has to. And, and he will because he's he's that good. They need him on the floor. Yeah. I totally agree. And uh, it's been really cool to see. It's been cool to see him play this well. Let me ask you, do you think, first of all, that he'll make an all-defense team? And do you think that he could possibly make the first team, given that he's playing about 20 minutes a game and off the bench? What do you think? Um, I mean, I think he... There's Bella. (laughs) I think he will make an all-defense team. I think he should. Mm I don't know about first team. I, I mean, I, I guess I, I can't say that I, I follow everyone's defense enough around the league to know, you know, how right. many guys have to be ahead of him. Uh, but, I mean, it, it kind of depends on your philosophy. Like, if you're thinking, even in limited minutes, all the impact metrics show him being one of the best pro defenders in the NBA. Um, and just watching him, it's very clear he is. So if you're, if you're someone who says, well, it has to be given to a starter, then I guess that's up to the voter. And I don't. I don't really know the tendencies of the voters enough to say if he could make first team, but I think it'd be just ridiculous if he didn't make at least second team because he's, he's obviously. Yeah. Emily, what do you think? Do you, are you sure that he'll make a team and do you think that it should be the first team? Um, I'm pretty, 
positive that he'll make a team. Because I was just thinking about, like, even, I mean, obviously on Twitter and things I follow, mostly Sixers people, but even, like, national media-wise, I can't think of any, like, defender that gets the kind of press that Matisse gets as, like, a guy off the bench. Right. Like, just, you know, these, like, plays that he makes that people are like, look at this kid, like, his second year in the league. Like, it's, it's so impressive. Um, I don't think it will be first team, although I'm not saying it shouldn't be first team. I just think, like, what Dan said, like, I just think people are going to gear that more towards starters and also these, like, historically or, like, with a precedent of being good at defense, you know, your Rudy Gobert's blah, 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 blah. Um, but I would say second team all defense and I think that that's probably where no I mean I don't know if that's where he should be but I think that's where he will end up and I think that's really impressive yeah I think uh I wonder if part part of what will factor in is that the Sixers will definitely have one person on the first team uh which will be uh Ben without a doubt so I wonder if they would give us two and then it's like I would think that Embiid would be the second team center um, so the Sixers could definitely have three guys on the All-NBA defense team, which would be great. I mean, I remember when Robert Covington made first-team All-Defense, I was shocked. Not that he didn't deserve it, but that he would get that sort of notoriety. I thought that that was so cool. So, uh, yeah, it would be a very similar thing here, and I really hope that uh, Matisse gets that recognition. God knows what sort of statement his agent would put out if he got left off, because if you remember – when he got left off of the rookie sophomore game, his rookie year, his do you remember the statement? He the agent was like the league's ass assistant coaches made a mistake. Oh yeah. Um so I think we might Incredible. get another one of those. He got left off this year too, didn't he? Ooh, I don't know. They didn't like, play the much. game, but they named the team. Yeah, they, he didn't play as much in the first half, that's true, Dan. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the other thing about his start to this year is that he was hurt. I think he had an ankle thing coming into the year. So, you know, it was a weird and short off season for everybody, but he even had a shorter one than most people, uh, given his injury. So, uh, very cool to see him, uh, play this well. Uh, lately the Sixers have not played any teams without their, uh, like with their best players. They haven't had like a, uh, sort of marquee win in a very long time now. Uh, Doc Rivers was asked about this. This is from Kyle Newbeck. Doc Rivers on whether or not it's a downer playing so many games against undermanned teams. Teams. Doc says, no one felt disheartened when we were missing games. I don't remember Denver saying, oh, my God, we don't want to play this game. I don't give literally two shakes who's playing. Um, Emily, do you give any shakes about who's playing? I give no shakes about who's playing. Wow. I, no shakes. I loved this quote. I thought it was incredible. <laughs> I love that he said shakes where most people would say shits. I thought that mm. was the best part. But also, like, it's very true. Like, sorry that we have a weak schedule at the end. Like, not my fault. Like, take it elsewhere. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, and also it, we should mention that there is a player on the team literally named Shake, and Doc isn't giving any shakes. Um, I'm not giving other, any shakes either. Keep him here. I won't. I wouldn't give a shake. Um, I don't know. I feel like every team is running into this. Like, this isn't just a Sixers thing where the Sixers are totally lucking out. Uh, I think that so many teams are resting guys or, you know, guys are missing time. I think that it's certainly they have a a more 
cushy schedule at the end of the year, but you know, they played all the same teams everybody else did. They just happened to get the easy ones at the end. Dan, uh, how many shakes are you giving about this specific thing? Well, I mean, I think that it is disappointing that they're not playing teams at full strength. And I think that's kind of been a thing all year, and not just for the Sixers, but everyone. You Sounds know, guys, like you're giving a shake. I do. I give a bit of a shake, but not in the sense that, like, <laughs> oh, the Sixers should feel bad. Like, these aren't real wins or, like right. – um, or even that, like, you know, oh, well, it's not fair that the Sixers have, like, a... No, because they had to play good teams early in the year. I mean, yeah, they got a bit lucky. They played Miami and Boston, mostly with guys out, but but they've kind of sucked all year anyway. So, I mean, um, it, it's a bummer. I like to see good games. I like to see the Sixers, you know, get impressive wins. And we've had a few. The Lakers win and the Jazz win were, you know, two really impressive wins. Um, and I'm sure there's there's some others. I'm probably missing another big one. Uh, I think one after the All Star break. But you know, those are the games we remember. Those were our favorite games this year. And so it sucks there haven't been more. I think the Sixers are very good and and could have had some you know really exciting wins this year. So in that sense, it's a bummer. But but not in the sense that like you know oh the the Sixers got off easier. You know I feel bad for the other teams who should have had like right. no everyone's had the, it's been this way for everyone and it's kind of annoying it's been like a kind of a lame regular season in some regards but that's fine I, I don't think it's a statement on the team it's just like as a fan I want to see better games yeah where I was bummed out was during the Brooklyn games when they weren't able to play Brooklyn with anybody or you know when they played Milwaukee the Sixers were down you know Embiid and or Simmons in each of those games like I thought that was a bummer I'd like to see those games to try to see where you measure up in the regular season, which we obviously didn't get a chance to do. And uh, I wish that there were more guys playing around the league and that we were able to have more exciting games during the regular season. But again, this is not like the Sixers are lucking out over everybody else. This is what everybody's dealing with right now. Um, Coming up this weekend, uh, the Sixers have a back-to-back, I believe. Yeah, they have a back-to-back. They play, let's see... Yeah, they play versus New Orleans. This is a home back-to-back. They play the Pelicans on Friday and the Pistons on Saturday. Uh, Do you guys foresee any difficulty against those teams? I know that Brandon Ingram is likely out uh, for the Pelicans. Uh, I don't know if Jeremy Grant is playing right now for for Detroit, but do you guys see any any difficulty here? You know, the Sixers are great at home, uh, and as long as they can stay healthy, I feel like. These should be two more wins for them. Uh, Dan, what do you think? This this weekend, this back-to-back, would you like everybody to play both games? Do you expect that? And uh, do you foresee any difficulties in this two-game uh, group here? Um, yeah, I think everyone will hopefully, you know, in the Pelicans game, if the Sixers play well enough, which, you know, they didn't last time they played them, but hopefully it could be another game where they're resting guys in the fourth, and then definitely I want to see everyone playing. Um, either way, I'd have everyone play, though. Um, there's there's no sense messing around at this point. You know, go go lock up that one seed is how I see it. So I think it should be hopefully two wins. The Pistons are 19 and 47, which is pretty unbelievable. Uh, that's that's Jesus like Christ. That's really, wow. that's, that's really bad. But yeah, I mean, there should be two wins. I know Emily doesn't think they can beat the Pelicans, but I think they'll. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. 
Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun. But it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Yeah, you know, the uh, the Pelicans beat the Sixers on Emily's wedding day, which is a real affront to Emily and this podcast. And um, yeah, we'll see. The other thing about resting guys is that Joel has said in the past that when he rests for long periods of time, it's hard for him to stay in shape. So he he wants to play games. So I think that as long as they don't end up playing him like 40 minutes against New Orleans and then again against Detroit, I think that this is probably the way to go. Emily, uh, I believe you picked the New Orleans game as a loss. Do you still believe in that? Well, I didn't believe in it in the first time when I picked it. I'm just <laughs> trying to, like, get a game up on Dan or something. Um, I, But I, out of those two games, I would see the New Orleans game giving them more trouble than Detroit. Right. Um, but I hope it doesn't. I hope – I want them to lock up this one seed. I don't want to feel, like, the slight pressure and stress anymore. I want the one seed – and I want it to be over with. Um, so I I hope they win both. I want them to win both. I'll take the loss to Dan if the Sixers can get the one seed. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be great to rest them at the end of the season. You know, if they sew up the one seed, then they can chill at the end of the season and, and play lots of the young guys, which would be super fun for us. Um, so I wanted to talk about some, some overarching stuff uh, about the Sixers and about the fans this year. Uh, Rob Manoff wrote on Twitter, uh, and this a couple of our pals were talking about this as well. He said, there isn't enough hype around this Sixers team. It's kind of sad. In 01, there was so much hype. Every car had flags. There, were Sixer, there, there was Sixers stuff everywhere. It was fun. I don't feel that this year. It feels like more complaining than anything. First question is, do you agree with this sentiment that there's less excitement? And why do you think that is? And do you think it's justified? Um, Dan, I know that you're a big Confederate flag guy. What do you think about the lack of flags uh, lately? Uh, what do you think? Why do you do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so I'm not a big Confederate flag guy. Um, I I was two in 2001. So mm-hmm. um, God. 
I can't really speak to the number of flags because I'm not over 24 and old. Like, <laughs> but um, wow. I mean, I think there's a few things here. First of all, no one has seen each other, so it's harder to talk about the Sixers. It's harder to have like a group excitement about the Sixers. So I don't really know what this is referring to. Um, I think that it's hard. It's hard when the stadium's not filled. Um, I also think, you know. There's some other reasons, like it's been, you know, last year was awful. There's questions about probably how well this team is built for the playoffs, especially with, you know, with how how good Brooklyn looks. Uh, And I think, but here's my biggest thing is like, who cares? Like, not everyone has to be optimistic all the time. Like, I'm. It's so frustrating. Like, like I think Brooklyn's really good. I I I wouldn't take the Sixers in that series. They could win it, and I would be so happy. And I think if they can beat Brooklyn, they can beat anyone. You know, at that point, mm. I feel, you know, give me, the, give us, give us the trophy now if we beat Brooklyn, and that's that's right. great. And I'm all in. I'll watch every game. I'll I'll be so upset when they lose. I'll be so excited when they win. All of that, you know, like. But who cares what other people have to say about about it? Like, like if you're complaining about the complaining, you're just like adding to the culture of complaining. I don't know. I don't mm. need to. Talk. I don't want to call out this one guy. Like I have no issue with with the person who tweeted this. Um, I'm just more speaking to like a group mindset that it's like Sixers Twitter has basically not just this year, but like the last few, even devolved into like you know pessimists versus optimists, and they all like hate each other. And it's like, come on now, like you're allowed to be optimistic, and someone else is allowed to have doubts. We both want the same outcome. So like you go, you, if you don't see enough flag waving, you go wave the flag. I'm not going to tell you not to. You know, I have my own doubts, but I've had my own doubts all year. I keep them to myself mostly because the Sixers have been great. They've given us nothing but, you know, things to be excited about and things to appreciate. And I've talked about those things. You know, while I still have doubts about, while I still have doubts about certain things in the playoffs, I'm still, you know, really appreciative how good of a year we've gotten to see. You know, the team has really come together well. They all seem to really like each other. Corral's been MVP level. There's been so many good things, and like, why, why would I complain that some fans are pessimistic at this point? Like, I appreciate the team. Like, you're also not focusing on that by just getting mad at fans over silly things. That's my opinion. Mm. So, uh, I wanted to share. Uh, Austin Krell on Twitter uh, tweeted this: uh, that the Sixers are 25 and seven at home, best in the East. 20 and 14 on the road, which is just unbelievable given how terrible they were on the road last year. Uh, that's also best in the East. They're 28 and 9 within the conference, also best in the East. 538 now projects uh, the Sixers to have a 45% chance of getting to the finals, which honestly oh seems insane. And that's best in the East and a 23% chance of winning the title. Again, also wild. Tied for best in the NBA. Um, they've just been so much better than I think all three of us could have foreseen them being. Um, but there is some, you know, holding your breath. I think that, yeah, part of it is probably, you know, if, if it was a sold-out arena every night, things would probably be different, a lot more fan interaction. Um, Emily was on TV once, and, and that was a big night for everybody. But um, And then, you know, just just I think Brooklyn having two top five players is is – giving people some pause. So Emily, do you agree with this sentiment that like there's less excitement than you would think a first place Sixers team would have? And uh, why do you think that is? Um, I think Dan 
partially said it. I think it's the COVID of it all. Like mm. no one is excited, like that excited about sports r- right now. Like there's nowhere to get excited about sports. You can't go watch a game at the bar. You can't, they're not doing like Sixers watch parties like they did in the past at like bars around the city. You can't go to Xfinity and watch a game. You can't do any of this stuff where, you know, sports fans gather. So mm-hmm. there's some lack of excitement there. I do have to say that if you get to a game, the the energy level in the arena for the limited number of fans that's there is pretty high. I went to, I've been to a couple of Sixers games and I went to a Flyers game this past weekend and the Sixers do a much better job, whether it's their fan base or their entertainment team of keeping the level of energy up in that stadium with the limited number of fans that are there. Um, so I would say all that. I'd also say I'm really interested to see what the Sixers, their playoff marketing and rollout. Can you repeat that? I think you cut out. You're, you're excited to see what, um, what, yeah, my AirPod fell out. Um, what like the Sixers (laughs) marketing team does with the, with the playoff rollout and like what they do there. I remember the first season that the, you know, the Joel and Ben team made the playoff. They had that like hype video with like the flag rolling out of, of like the windows of an old city, like row house. They had all those murals like put up around the city with the snake and the bell, like that when that whole rollout went out. And I think that, I mean, that personally, that's the kind of shit I like, but I feel like people were really like jazzed about that. So if they can like do some type of like viral playoff rollout, like, to really start getting the city excited, I think that could go a long way. I mean, people, a lot of people also just like watch the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So once that kind of picks up, I think, I think the energy will change a little, but I think it's mostly that you can't get a bunch of people together to do anything and like build excitement because of COVID. I agree about the hype videos. I love them uh, whenever they do them. I love the Eagles ones. I mean, I I went back uh, a couple months ago and watched the Eagles hype video before the Super Bowl, which is just unbelievable. Um, the Sixers ones are usually very good, especially the did the Sixers win ones are great. Um, so I'm looking forward to those. And, uh, and yeah, I think that people will continue. I mean, if they lock up number one, I think that would be a huge deal. And, uh, and hopefully they can, you know, cause that side of the bracket really, I mean, we saw obviously, uh, Milwaukee and, and the Nets played each other. I want to know what you guys think we could learn from that, what we can take away from that. You know, is it nothing? Cause James Harden didn't play, which is a giant part of the Brooklyn team. Um, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt, but Milwaukee did the Sixers some favors there by beating Brooklyn. And right now the Sixers are two up uh, in, in addition to the tiebreaker on Brooklyn. And uh, and we'll see because that would the bracket would break a lot better for the Sixers if they finish number one. So, Emily, those Brooklyn and Milwaukee games, uh, do you take anything away from them? Do you think that, you know, for me, I just think that that would be a, a very competitive series regardless. Um, but I don't I don't really think that Milwaukee has a hand up. Uh, on them right now what do you think or a leg up a hand up what do you think um yeah I agree I mean I would still take Brooklyn in that series I know that and then if for some reason you know Milwaukee beats Brooklyn in that series I'm still less afraid of Milwaukee I don't know if it's because you know a Joel 
Sixers team took them to overtime. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, if we can do that without Joel, I'm not really worried about it. Like, put yeah. Joel in the court and Giannis can not sit in the middle of our court. Because he'll <laughs> be, you know, in Philadelphia because we'll have the one seed. But, yeah, so I don't know if we can take it. You can't take it. We've said this before. You can't really, like, take anything away from these teams when everyone doesn't play. It makes it really hard to do. And it's been a recurring theme all season. Yeah, Dan, do you agree with that for the most part? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think something that no one is really – not no one. A lot of people aren't comfortable saying this at this point. Um, In my opinion, not only is James Harden the Nets' best player, I think he is pretty clearly and far and away their best player. Um, And that's not to say – I mean, Durant is great. Durant is probably still a top-ten player. He's definitely still a top-ten player. Um, Harden is much better than he is at this point. And that, that is backed up by their record when one of them's out and the other plays. It's backed up by all their stats. He is better right now. He runs the offense better, and their offense looks so much smoother when he's in. And so, yeah, the, the, the Bucs beat them twice, but they were close games, and the Nets were missing their best player, who is their best guy to run the offense, who is, you know, another player who means you have to go one fewer player deep, who's still a fine defender, especially come playoff time, he'll be a fine defender, um, which is everyone's big concern with, with Brooklyn as well. So it's not like you're adding offense at the cost of defense or anything. I think their offense would look a lot better with Harden in there. And I, I think that not everybody's ready to say it because Durant, obviously, for their careers has been, you know, Durant's one of the best players, you know, that we've seen and he's unbelievable. But at this point, I think Harden is very clearly better and he's very clearly the best player on that team which says a lot because Durant is still great and Irving is still great but the the Bucks beat them in close games when Brooklyn was missing their best player I think Brooklyn would pretty I mean not that anything can happen you know Giannis it looks like they don't have anyone to cover him but but I think Brooklyn is pretty clearly the better team as I would see it right now we have a speaker request here on locker room from Peter Peter, we're going to welcome you on and see if you have any questions to ask. Uh, Peter, what do you got, pal? What's up? Uh, I was just going to say that the Sixers fans kind of need to calm down. You guys haven't won a championship since. uh... Thanks for calling in, Peter. Great. Uh, (laughs) Moving on. Uh, I wanted to. Peter, I'm joking around, but yes, uh, that is that is true. And uh, we also have plugs here who would like to dumb say it. something. Should go great. Should go uh, plugs. What's up? Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. So are you? Are you guys just not keeping people up here? Well, we just tried one. Uh, Peter was sort of in and out, but I'm getting a good vibe from you so far. What's going on? Well, nothing right now. I'm just like, what are we talking about right now? Oh, okay. Fan of the show. Uh, we talk about the Sixers, and uh, right now they are barreling toward the end of the year. Are you a Sixers fan, Plugs? No, I support the Nets. Nice. Um, okay. Uh, do you have anything that you'd like to put out there for us? Mm, I mean, well, it depends. Like, what was the topic before I came in here? Hmm. Emily? We were talking about the Nets, and, well, I have a question. Do you think that James Harden is better than Kevin Durant? 
I don't think he's better, but he's more valuable to the team for us to win because he runs the offense. He's the point. As a Nets fan, are you worried at all about Milwaukee? Um, or who are you more worried about between the Sixers and Milwaukee? I mean, it's pretty equal because it's pretty similar. Like, the struggle is going to be stopping Giannis and Embiid. But right now, I'd probably say I'm more worried about the Sixers because both games against the Bucks, like, that's all we had to do is just keep it close. And then, because obviously Harden wasn't playing. So, right. as long as it was close, I was fine with it because both games are single-digit wins. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you, and um, I would definitely pick the Nets in that series to uh, to win out. Uh, Plugs, I'm gonna move on here because we're gonna do a quiz at the end of the show about the Ringer's new uh, tw- top 25 list. Dan, you have not read it. I am going to quiz you on different players on this list, and you have to guess if you get within three spots of the right position. Uh, Emily will pay you twenty dollars. Oh, love right. it! Yeah. Uh, number, uh, shouldn't say the number. Where do you think Rudy Gobert ranked? Uh, and all these players that you're going to read are definitely on the list, right? Yes. All of these, uh, notably Ben Simmons was not on the top 25 list and we could talk about that, but, uh, yeah, these are, these are just the 25 best players in the league as ranked by the ringer. Um, the ringer staff collaborated on this article. So yeah, I'm going to give you a guy, you give me what, what place you think he landed on the first one is rudy gobert i'll say 21 you'll say 21 that is incorrect but rudy gobert was exactly number 18 so emily you'll venmo um i'll give you another player (laughs) jimmy butler where do you think jimmy butler ranked i'll say 15 exactly on the money that's double Wow. Um, <laughs> that's that's great. Uh, where do you think Devin Booker ranked? Nineteen. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. He's, He's on fire. Devin Booker's twenty. Wow. Um, where do you think Steph Curry ranked? Uh, five. He was number four. He was number four. Very good. Where do you think Paul Reed ranked? Probably two. <laughs> it's very close. What do you think about Kawhi Leonard? Where did he rank? Uh, if Curry was four, I'll say Leonard was five. Leonard was six. All right. Where do you think Joel Embiid ranked on the Ringer's top 25 list? Was he number three? Are you looking at the list? No, I, I told you, I glanced at it, but I don't remember most of it. I didn't really look at it much. I, the only, I remember, I think Joel was three, and Julius Randle was like 23, and that's all I remember. Joel was number three. Uh, we will give you one final one, and this is all or nothing. If you get it right, Emily will give you $300. If you get it wrong, you have to pay us each $300. All right. Where did Bam Adebayo rank? I want to say 22. He ranked number 23. So sorry, but we will oh, be that accepting. Was within three. I'm so sorry, but the rules sort of switched up at the end there. So <laughs> we we are only taking wire transfers through Western Union. 
that would be great. Um, what an episode. You know, we made some new friends. We uh, really had a, had a blast here. Um, Emily and Dan, do you guys have anything before we move on and get out of here? Um, I just want to say that I, not that I agree with uh, Ben being in the twenty top 25, but I also think he's better than some players on this list. I agree. I think that, uh, I think that I agree. I think that, yeah, yeah, it's hard. I mean, I guess you end up quibbling with like Randall. Randall's had an unbelievable year. Um, it's hard, you know, cause Ben has not had his best year. He's been very good, especially defensively, but, uh, I'm not sure. Dan, I imagine you're fine with Sidman's omission here. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have the list go on much right. longer until I get to Ben, but I, I, I think that, like, this is a weird thing, but, like, say Ben Simmons played for the Jazz, right? You, mm. wouldn't, you wouldn't see Sixers fans defending that player type. They'd be calling out his, his stat line and, and making jokes, which a lot of them do now. You know, the people who hate Ben. I don't hate Ben. I think Ben's a good player. I don't love Ben yeah. like a lot of people. I think that, you know, it's reasonable to – to look at, you know, some things he struggled with this year. And I don't just mean the shot. I mean, in, in general, like, you know, he's had some games where he really created offensive off, offense off of his defense. And when we say he's had some games when he's been too passive, that includes, like, defensively. He's not, you know, getting steals and getting easy buckets and, and, and getting out in transition like, like he does at times. And so I think that, you know, we all love to, like, make fun of Donovan Mitchell and be like, you know, point out the one game where he had like 30 points on 35 shots and zero assists and make jokes. And that's fine. You know, fans do that. But like, I understand why you could also point out things about Ben. You know, that's yeah, that's just how it is. And so I think it's reasonable. I think that Ben is still a great player. I'm, I'm happy he's on the team. But I think it's reasonable to have him not on that list, especially when so many other guys have just carried their teams. Like, right. oh, I wouldn't trade Ben for Randall, but yeah, right. right. Me too. The, the Knicks as the four seed. He's leading the yeah. Knicks to the four seed. That's understandable that he's a top 25 player this year, if you want to call him that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think, you know, Simmons somewhere between 25 and 30 is not a uh, not a huge deal to me. I think that that's, that would be about and, right. For this and not year. an insult either. Not an no, insult. not an insult. That's, yeah. a, that's a really um, good player. That will just about do it for us. We'll be back with another regular episode uh, without our new friends on Sunday. That'll come out probably Monday morning. And uh, that's it. Thank you to everybody for coming in, hanging out, hanging out with us. Thank you to you two. Good to see you both. Dan, congratulations on the graduation. Uh, Good talking to you guys and talk to you soon. See ya. See ya. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. 
How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts.